Believe it or not, the Macintosh is one of the oldest computing platforms still with us. Today we're going to go through the entire history of its operating system. Welcome to Copec Explained Software, the podcast where we make computing intelligible. This is a special week. We're celebrating Marchintosh. What is that? Marchintosh is a month where creators, podcasters, video producers, bloggers are going to be talking about the history of the Macintosh. We're celebrating by talking about the Mac operating system. Yeah, the Mac operating system has been through some incredible transitions, and we've talked about some of them in previous episodes, so we won't be talking too much about the hardware side today, and we won't really be talking about why the original Macintosh was significant. I'm going to link to our previous episodes about that in the show notes. We're really just going to be focusing on how the operating system has transitioned over time. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us about Mac OS. So macOS was actually originally just called System, as in the system software. So the early versions of macOS were referred to as System 1, or System 5, System 6. We have to think back to 1984. How primitive was that first Macintosh? It only had 128 kilobytes of RAM. It had an 8 megahertz, 68,000 processor. And you know, it was really limited to a black and white display with 512 by 384 pixels. Wow, that's so different from what we're used to today but it was already a graphical user interface operating system, and that was really what set it apart from the computers before it. We talked about this on a previous episode, but the Macintosh was the first affordable computer to come with a graphical user interface, which was quite different from most personal computers at the time that had command line interfaces. So it was revolutionary at the time, but that was obviously very constrained hardware. So they would have to take this operating system designed for this very constrained computer and evolve it over time as microprocessors got faster, memory expanded, and all kinds of new hardware peripherals came out, including color. Was that complicated? It was difficult. It was kind of a clutch. They took that original, really, really constrained operating system and kept adding features to it. They would add QuickTime over for multimedia support. They'd add AppleScript for automation. They'd add color. They'd add some kind of multitasking. They would add internet features. Over time, these features just amalgamated into a mess because that original core was not really designed for the new and exciting technologies of the 1990s. So what were they going to do about that? So Apple had many projects throughout the late 1980s and early 1990s to find a replacement for the Mac OS. It was like this great search. And by the way, that term Mac OS, it started with System 7. System 7 was originally called System 7, and during System 7's lifetime, they renamed it Mac OS. Anyway, they first started out by having their own version of Unix. And we talked about Unix on a previous episode, What is Unix? So I'll link to that in the show notes. But Unix was really for workstations at the time. And in 1988, Apple launched their own operating system that combined Unix with the Mac OS called AUnix. Kind of stands for like Apple Unix. And this came out in 1988, but they really didn't take it anywhere. It really never evolved very much. It was really only sold to some high-end users. That wasn't going to be the replacement. Then, in 1992... Apple talked to IBM about having a partnership, and they actually ended up starting a company called Taligent, which was going to design a new object-oriented operating system for the 1990s. This starts in 92. It never leads to anything, really. Nothing really came out of it. There were some frameworks that came out of it that ended up evolving into some developer tools, but an actual operating system to replace macOS never came out of it. 
So Apple's got a real problem. It's the mid-1990s, and originally they had a real head start with graphical user interfaces, but Microsoft really caught up, and Windows kept getting better and better and better. Windows wasn't really a threat in terms of being a good graphical user interface in the 1980s, but by the 1990s with Windows 3.0 and then Windows 95, Microsoft really starts to be encroaching on Apple's leadership in graphical user interfaces. And so Apple is not doing well as a company in the mid-1990s, and they have this kludge of an operating system in terms of technical features that they need to replace, and they start to get a little bit desperate. So they have an internal project to replace macOS called Copland. This starts in 94. It also doesn't really lead to anything. Some of its features will end up being incorporated in what we now call classic macOS. That will lead to some of the features of macOS 8, but that's not really a replacement still. It's just some cool technologies that they can end up taking advantage of. So they even get so desperate that they end up talking to Microsoft. They go to, rec- to Microsoft because they recognize that things are not going well. Things are so not going well that they even consider using Windows as the replacement for Mac OS, Windows NT to be specific. It's so, hard to imagine that. It's hard to imagine them using the Windows operating system on the, the Macs. Well, this is dark times. This is the mid-1990s and Apple is almost going out of business and they don't seem to have a successful operating system strategy. And what they've done over time is they have added features. I talked about a few of them earlier, but they're missing some key technical features. The two most important ones being memory protection and preemptive multitasking. Memory protection is about when a program crashes, your whole operating system doesn't go to heck. And, you know, that's really was pretty common if you were a mid-1990s Mac user like I was. You'd have one program crash and then your whole computer would crash. And people terrible. No, it was terrible. And people were really used to better than that by that time on other platforms. And then the Mac got multitasking. They actually added it in System 6 with MultiFinder and System 7. It really became an integral part of the system. But it was cooperative multitasking, which was a type of multitasking where you could run two programs but one could kind of monopolize the CPU's time if it really wanted to. So the operating system wasn't really playing referee and saying, you know what, you can't monopolize the time the other program wants to run too. I mean, think back again in 1984. In 1984, the Mac was a single tasking operating system. You could only run one program at a time. So again, they kind of just like clutched on this cooperative multitasking to the original Mac OS, and it never really became something that was robust. So they wanted to have these modern technical features, and they also wanted to have better developer frameworks. And they tried Taligent, they tried AUnix, they tried Copland, and they weren't getting anywhere. And so they started to be desperate, and yeah, they were actually talking to Microsoft. But they were also talking to some other smaller companies. One of those was called B, and another one was called Next. I've never heard of B. B was a company creating an operating system called BOS, and it was actually started by Jean-Louis Gassi, who was a previous Apple executive. He had actually been head of the Mac division in the late 1980s. And he went and started his company with the vision of having a new modern personal computing operating system. Seemed like exactly what Apple needed. And they were really pretty far in the running. Apple was really considering buying B and using their operating system as the replacement for Mac OS. But somebody else was in the running. It was Next. 
And Next created an operating system called Next Step. Next was Steve Jobs' company. Steve Jobs had been forced out of Apple in 1985, and he had gone and started his Next computing company, which he called Next. And they really had some very advanced technology. Even back when Next Step launched in 1989, it already had preemptive multitasking. It already had protected memory. It already had great networking technologies. It already had an object-oriented framework for developers to build apps really quickly. It had all of these advanced features back in 1989, while the Mac continued to be a kludge going all the way into the late 1990s. And so Next was really in the running too. And, you know, the B folks really thought they had it all locked up. So they came to a meeting with Apple and they weren't really well prepared. And that meeting might have been the critical meeting and Apple ended up going with Next, which also had the great PR opportunity to bring Steve Jobs back to the company and Apple sorely needed his leadership. He would actually come back and within a year of coming back, became the CEO and kind of took over the company from within. But we won't go into all that politics and corporate situations today. Let's really focus just on the operating systems. So we still have the classic Mac OS chugging along by the late 1990s. We've gotten some features from the Coplin project, but the ultimate goal now is to replace Mac OS with Next Step. So how did they combine these two different operating systems? It was a challenge. It was a transition. And in a previous episode, we talked about Apple's microprocessor transitions. That's a hardware set of transitions that they've done over time. Apple happens to be a company that's very good at transitions. And this was one of their most difficult, actually, of all time. So the classic Mac OS had a lot of loyal fans and a lot of loyal developers. And Mac OS X, as it would be called when they combine Next Step with Mac OS, would be a combination of two different platforms with very different underpinnings. In fact, Next Step was based on Unix, which we talked about in a previous episode, what is Unix, I won't go into today. But it had a whole rich set of very old developer technologies, and it's really rich set of object-oriented frameworks for developers to build apps with. All of these technologies were extremely different from the technologies in Mac OS. And when Mac OS X would finally come out, it would be an amalgamation of the two, but it would be much more on the next step side. So the issue was they had to convince developers to go and rewrite their apps using these new frameworks that are coming from Next Step. And while they were really powerful frameworks and they actually enabled developers to be a lot more productive, they did oftentimes mean starting from scratch. So what Apple did is they had a transition technology. While the technologies from Next Step for app developers were called Coco, and they still are to this day, they created another set of technologies called Carbon, which were basically a revitalized and cleaned up set of original APIs from the classic Mac OS that developers could use to transition their apps. Over time, they would eventually deprecate Carbon and then all apps would have to be built using Coco, that framework that came from Next Step. But they allowed this way for developers to get their foot in the door on Mac OS X when it first came out. What they would do for users because the users would have a big issue. Their old software wouldn't run on Mac OS X unless developers would go and port it to this Carbon or to Coco. is they would have an emulator, or actually more like a virtual machine, built into Mac OS X called the Classic Environment. And it would actually go and launch the old Mac OS, the last version of which was Mac OS 9, within Mac OS X, so you could run your own apps. And then if those apps would crash, 
they would bring down the classic environment just like they would have brought down your computer in the past and not your entire operating system, not the Mac OS X environment that classic was running within. So Apple had all of these transitional technologies to let people go from one operating system to the other, but it was still a very difficult transition and it took years for all users to really move over to Mac OS X. In fact, at one of his Macworld keynotes, Steve Jobs would famously hold a funeral for Mac OS 9 on stage, letting everyone know you need to transition, you need to move on, we have these exciting new technologies, and you have to let go of the classic Mac OS. Mac OS X was released in 2001. Mac OS X was released in 2001, so we really had 17 years of the classic Mac OS. It went from 1984 to 2001. And they had released actually a server version of Mac OS X in 1999 called Mac OS X Server that gave people a preview of what this next operating system might be like. But of course, there were also old-time NextStep developers who made the transition over to Mac OS X from NextStep. So Apple did have a base of some developers who knew how to program for this operating system, and then they made those technology we talked about, like Carbon, to enable old-time Mac developers to get over to Mac OS X as well. Mac OS X is the foundation that we're still working with today. Right, so now we have the Mac OS X era, and it really lasted today. We're in 2021. It's now been 20 years of Mac OS X. And if you go all the way back to Next Step, which came out in 1989, in many ways, this is actually a 32-year-old operating system. There's a direct line that you can trace all the way from Next Step to today, and you can still see the influences of that original Next Step operating system within the system today if you're a developer. Anyway... Yeah, we've been with now Mac OS X for 20 years. We recently finally got an upgrade just the last year to calling it Mac OS 11. For many years, we called it Mac OS X 10.0, 10.1, 10.2, etc., etc. And finally, we got the new version number. The reason we finally got a new version number is one, it was getting kind of ridiculous. We were up to Mac OS 10.15, but also we're starting to see influences more and more from iOS on Mac OS. And I think that's a good segue for us to talk about iOS. How does iOS connect to Mac OS 10? When the iPhone launched in 2007, when Steve Jobs was on stage, he says, iPhone runs Mac OS 10. That was right on his slides, telling you that what we have today as iOS and was originally called iPhone OS was really just a compressed, modified version of Mac OS X. So you can trace iOS to Mac OS X and Mac OS X back to Next Step. And if you want to, you can even trace Next Step back to Unix all the way back to 1970. So really, the operating system that runs on our iPhones is a very, very mature operating system. It didn't just come out of nowhere in 2007. It had a rich history. It had rich developer technologies. It's actually a much, much older operating system than many of the other operating systems that we work with today, including, for example, Android. So iOS would then lead to tvOS and watchOS, and those are derivatives of iOS, which are therefore in a sense, derivatives of Mac OS X and Mac OS. So they relabeled over time again, Mac OS X to just be called Mac OS. So we originally had the operating system being called just System, System 1, System 7. Then we had Mac OS 8, Mac OS 9. Then we had Mac OS X for many years. Now we're back to Mac OS, and now it's just Mac OS 11. So we kind of went full circle. We had Mac OS X 
4 can kind of evolve into iOS, and now we have iOS influencing macOS a lot, and with macOS 11, it feels like we've kind of come all the way around where now the two operating systems are more in sync. And you even see that in the look and feel with macOS 11 taking some design cues from iOS. There's been some of that for a few years now, but macOS 11 really took it to another level. So it's really seamless for a user going between their different devices. And your iPhone and your Mac really run on some very similar technologies. If you're a developer and you're looking underneath the surface, you're actually looking at a lot of the same tools that you have to make apps on macOS on iOS. How do you see macOS developing in the future? I think this fusion between iOS and macOS is going to continue. I think that some power users do need a different kind of user interface. And we've talked about this on a previous episode, How Have UIs Evolved, which I'll put a link to in the show notes. But I think that developers need an interface that's optimized for mice and keyboards. And I think there's other kinds of power users that do as well. So I see them continuing to share a lot of their technology, but I think the user interfaces are gonna continue to be distinct between macOS and iOS. And I think that a lot of iOS users don't really wanna be encumbered by things like having to see the file system, by things like having to deal with multiple different windows. Uh, So your average iOS user maybe doesn't want all of the power that you have in macOS. So I see two different lines of operating systems that are evolving in parallel, but with some distinct user interface flourishes for each. What Mac users are using today has actually evolved quite a bit, but still connects to this long history. Right, yeah, let me just summarize again, because it is a long history. So from 1984 to 2001, we had classic Mac OS, which really was an operating system originally developed for a small screen black and white device with an eight megahertz processor and 128 kilobytes of RAM, and not even a hard drive, by the way. That's crazy. They managed to cludge that along, add features, evolve it, but it wasn't modern enough. They looked for an operating system to replace it in the 90s. They got Next Step. Next Step became Mac OS X. Next Step was based on Unix that goes all the way back to 1970. And now we've been living with Mac OS X since 2001, so about 20 years. We've renamed it a little bit. It's evolved into iOS and kind of evolved back but it's still really Mac OS X. So we've had 20 years of the Mac OS X era, and we had 17 years of the classic Mac OS era. And it seems like with Mac OS 11, we're still building on a lot of the same technologies that we've been building on the last 20 years. So I don't think that anything major in terms of transitions is gonna happen in the next few years, but I do think that we should be impressed that Unix, which goes back to 1970, is with us in Mac OS in 2021, and Mac OS X has been with us for 20 years, and Next Step, which really is still with us today through all these operating systems, has been with us since 1989. It's pretty crazy. We think of technology as moving really fast, but actually Mac OS has had quite a bit of continuity. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week and happy Marchintosh. Check out the show notes for some other episodes we've done about Macintosh history. And follow us on Twitter and let us know what you think. Our handle is at Kopec Explains, K-O-P-E-C-E-X-P-L-A-I-N-S. And don't forget to hit subscribe. If you're in Spotify, that's the follow button. If you're in most other podcast players that subscribe, so you get our new episodes every week. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.